Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Now, there's been so much news about this particular development, and it's of massive importance, and it's happening in China. And we do know the issues that this country has with the Beijing government and the police stations, Chinese police stations, in Canada and the interference with our Canadian elections and domestic affairs. And we'll get into the police stations issue with you tomorrow as well. But there's been this populist uprising in China, particularly, as we've been saying, by young people who've been rallying in major cities across the country and facing down massive police presence. And it's set to be in defiance of President Xi's zero-COVID lockdown policies. Maybe. There was a fire in an apartment building. Ten people died. And the concern was that they might not, not have been able to get out because of the lockdowns. And that really energized protest. But there were also chants. And this makes me think of 1989 and Tiananmen Square. There were chants for President Xi to step down. Those were heard in some of the protests. Now, Beijing has responded and they've agreed to modify the zero-COVID lockdowns policies. They've reduced them and eliminated them on some trans- public transport. Peter Humphrey is a former Reuters journalist, as well as a former business owner in China. As Mr. Humphrey has told us in the past, he was suddenly arrested and incarcerated in Chinese prisons for 23 months. He is now external research affiliate with Harvard University's Fairbank Center for Chinese Studies. Peter Humphrey joins us from the UK. Peter, thank you uh, for coming back. Are you surprised at the populist displays of challenge to President Xi? <laughs> well, thank you for having me on. Um, I'm not really surprised um, about um, them shouting against President Xi himself. Um, you know, these protests were not just about a co- the COVID lockdowns, um, not just about that fire in Xinjiang in an apartment building where people couldn't get out because of the lockdown and 10 died. It's not just about that. You know, I would say that all Chinese protest movements have usually started with a pretext. Um, in this case, the fire <clears throat> was a pretext. COVID lockdowns were a pretext. And the pretext usually morphed into something wider and bigger. That would have been true with Tiananmen, um, how that how that metamorphosized um, over um, weeks into something very wide-ranging and major against the system. And way early on, a century ago, the first big Chinese protest movement in modern times, known as the May the 4th movement, uh, also, you know, began with pretext um, over, um, over basically over Japan being awarded uh, Germany's former territorial interest in China at that time, colonial interest. But these these pretexts always seem to morph into something bigger. And so, what's what's behind all this uh, in China now? You know, it's not just students. It's not just young people. It's actually a wide spectrum of society, including the middle class, that support these protests. Um, Everybody is sick of COVID, yes, but they're sick of Xi Jinping and life under presidency in general. 
they're especially angry about the destruction of the economy through his misrule. Um, the young are angry that their futures are no longer bright. Uh, their careers are in doubt. Uh, there aren't enough jobs for them. Um, they can't go to study abroad because C is obstructing foreign travel. Um, and the middle class and the middle aged, they feel that they've worked hard for 20 years to earn all that they've got, including their homes, their properties, etc. And they're afraid that it's all going to lose its value and, and go pop. And people are angry about the lack of freedom. That, that was very clear in these protests, especially the freedom of expression with all the censorship, control and surveillance. And they, they feel asphyxiated by C's choking controls. I think they're also angry about the repoliticization of education in China, all this nonsense Xi Jinping ideology being put into the, the curriculum and squeezing the curriculum and pushing out things like foreign language study. I could go on and on and on about the things that people are unhappy with in China, and I don't just judge my um, my, my views on um, I don't base my views on news headlines alone. I do watch a lot of less um, widely broadcast examples of protest um, in the form of posts which Chinese people put on, on the Internet, um, their rants, their, their, their protest remarks, their, their jokes, and also talking to people um, in China carefully. Um, that's what I base my observations on. Um, so I think that the protest movement is driven by all these things and more, and there's no prospect of it um, uh, uh, easing up. All these complaints are not going to ease up. The, 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 the drivers for this uh, discontent are not going to ease up so long as Xi Jinping is in power. Um, I think the recent party congress over which he presided, in which he basically turned himself into ruler for life with no term limits, um, made everybody feel that there's no hope anymore um, because he so, so um, dramatically increased his personal dictatorship through this Congress and appointed only yes-men as his aides and top officials. So any diversity of views that was still left in the previous leadership group around him has now gone. There are no checks and balances on his power anymore. Uh, let me just bring this home to Canada for a moment. Chinese international interference, and certainly they're interfering in this country's domestic affairs. I spoke with Mr. Kenny Chu, who was a uh, conservative member of parliament in British Columbia. And last year, in 2021's federal election, he certainly became targeted by Beijing, which did not like, did not appreciate private members' legislation that he then introduced, which would have required anybody who lobbied for a, for a foreign government or a foreign entity to register uh, in, a, in a specific way. So he became targeted. But we also know that in Canada, there are Chinese police stations. They exist here. Uh, the prime minister says he wasn't, um, he wasn't uh, uh, made aware of, briefed on the uh, election uh, interference. We'll, we'll see about that as we go on. But what is China up to? Is this all about expanding its profile, building a power base? Why are they so interested in this country? Yes, and I think even before Xi Jinping, there was quite a lot of uh, nefarious activity uh, like this going on. But since he took power um, 10 years ago, um, this kind of interference um, and infiltration 
um, has taken on a huge scale. It has grown dramatically, very much under his direction. Um, and he and his family have long roots in something called the United um, Work Front, um, which is essentially an arm of Chinese influence. It's an agency of the Chinese Communist Party, which um, uh, combines uh, esp you know, espionage and influence activities in its work. And they are very much behind all these things like the Confucius Institutes and, and like these um, efforts to influence members of parliament in democratic countries. It's not just Canada who has experienced this. My country has also been experiencing some of this, and, and, and we know it's going on in Australia and so forth. We've had cases in the United States, too. Um, so this is part of something very big, which has grown in scale exponentially under Xi Jinping. Um, and I believe, you know, the goal ultimately is to impose a communist party narrative on the world um, and to get levers of control, levers of control um, on governments around the world to neutralize hostility towards China's rather perverse uh, ideological system. Um, and it should be taken seriously. You know, countries need to eradicate this uh, illegal activity. And these police stations you refer to, we've got some of them have been exposed here in the UK too. Uh, they are part of that program too. Because on the face of it, they may be there to help Chinese citizens living in those countries to deal with administrative matters back home uh, on the face of it. But we know of many examples where people from these overseas police stations have actually been harassing and pressuring um, ex Chinese exiles um, uh, into, into going back to China to face punishment for some political crime. Yeah, we've, we've heard that as well, Peter. And yeah. uh, and it's it's. I wonder sometimes whether their interest is truly in Canada, or our proximity to the United States, or both. I mean, we do have um, claims on the Arctic, and we do have natural resources, and China is very very keenly interested in 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 uh, natural resources. But I, again, I wonder sometimes are they interested in us specifically, or our proximity to the United States? Peter, this is all fascinating, and it it all impacts the rest of the world. China is the is the wild card, I think internationally. Now, what's going on now? Let's go back to what's going on in China now. It's different to 1989 in Tiananmen Square. This time, the protesters have been less demanding. They're displaying blank pieces. You tell me, I mean, I could be wrong here. You know it far better than I, but I see them displaying blank pieces of paper, sarcastically calling for more lockdowns, and then singing the Chinese national anthem constantly, which probably puts the brakes on as far as the police are concerned, at least somewhat, to go after them. What's what impact ultimately is this going to have on the Communist Party and and President Xi and by extension the country and the, how they deal with us and everybody else? I mean, I think uh, the protests that we've seen so far um, are not going to have um, much restraining impact on the Xi regime. Um, I think that we've seen them going rounding up and detaining a lot of people um, after using um, AI surveillance and so forth um, to identify people. Um, and these, these the people who've been detained will probably <laughs> end up in, in jail, you know, and, and Chinese jails are, are no place to go. But um, I don't think the sentiment that has driven these protests, which I described earlier on, 
will evaporate very quickly. Um, and given the fact that Xi is not likely to really ease up in the manner in which he rules and controls the country, I believe he will continue to choke uh, the country. And given that, I believe that there will be further waves of, this, of such process. Um, I've always thought that even if he got that so-called third term as, as leader of China, which he did get last month, um, the real problems for him would come after that because when people see that, oh, they see this and they say, oh, no, not another five years or 10 years of this, uh, this kind of rule. Um, you know, the sentiment is very, very dark right now across the Chinese population. Um, so it's not going to ease off. I'll give you a couple of examples um, of older people uh, being involved. It's not just students. Um, I've, I've, I've looked carefully at um, clips that show hundreds of drivers of cars in Beijing hooting their horns in support of um, younger people who were on the sidewalk, on the street, um, demonstrating last week. Um, and, you know, students do not own cars in China. Um, so there was strong support from the adult population there for these protesters. And I've also listened to um, a clip this afternoon um, from a young person in Chengdu, which is a big city in the west of China, um, talking about how parents encouraging their children to go out. When I say children, I'm talking about people of student age to go out and join these protests. Some of the young people asked their parents whether they should go or not. And the parents were all urging them to go out. So this is something now which is widespread, deep-rooted in the Chinese population, this sentiment. All right. And I think we could see escalating waves of protests over the coming months. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.